Howdy, y'all, and welcome to The Daily Grind. I'm your host, John Spencer. Grab a mug of your favorite brew and get ready to become the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to water cooler chatter, conference room banner, and job site small talk. I'm going to give you the rundown on today's date, share some interesting historical facts, toss out just a few random musings to get your brain gears turning. Plus, I'll offer up some thoughts to ponder on our walk with Jesus. Joining me this week, once again, I am so honored to be co-hosted with my sister, Carla Cockrum. Hello, hello, Daily Grind. And now it's that time on the Daily Grind to brew your brain. It's Monday, July 31st, and on July 31st in 1790, the United States Patent Office opened. Oh, how about that? And in 1792, the cornerstone of the first United States federal building was laid in Philadelphia, and it was the Philadelphia Mint. Okay. And in 1948... Idlewild Field in New York, uh, New York's International Airport, was dedicated. And it would later be renamed John F. Kennedy International Airport. Gotcha. So if you fly into JFK, uh, if you were to travel back in time, it would be Idlewild. (laughs) Idlewild. That's a funny name. (laughs) And on this day in 1980, fictional character Harry Potter was what yeah it's harry potter's birthday oh happy birthday harry potter and in 1989 game boy released its first uh video game the game boy i know and in 1991 on this date the united states and the soviet union signed start one that's the strategic arms reduction treaty okay and on this day in 2006 Fidel Castro handed over power in Cuba to his brother Raul. Okay. So are things going any better there? I have no idea. Okay. And July 30, July 31st is National Avocado Day. Oh. Okay. That's have an avocado. That's a big deal. Okay. It is. It is. That is a superfood. It okay. is full of healthy fat and fiber. Yes. Yep. Eat one every day. <laughs> Might eat two today. It is also on the other end of the food spectrum, National Cotton Candy Day. Okay. <laughs> the complete other end. No cover. <laughs> and it's National Jump for Jelly Beans Day. Oh my goodness. And now it's that time on the Daily Grind to sharpen your wit. Some of these are gonna be obvious, but the capital of Mexico is Mexico City. Yes. <laughs> like, were you even trying? I mean, come on. No. <laughs> I don't think that you can have a depressing scene in a movie without extreme close-ups and rain. If you think about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Of all the Disney princesses, do you know who was the youngest? Mm, no. I wouldn't have known either. Snow White. Youngest really? Disney princess. 
uh, about 14 years old. Oh my goodness. Okay. Which makes it seem a little creepy that the <laughs> prince is kissing her and stuff. I don't know. Right? Oh. So when you think about Clark Kent, um, a.k.a. Superman. Yes. Is the male counterpart to the girl who takes off her glasses and everyone realizes how pretty she is in movies. <laughs> okay. Did you know that 40% of the bottles that say Italian olive oil are not actually Italian olive oil? No, I did not know that 40%. Yeah. That's offensive. The capital of... Mariutis is Port Louis. Okay. <laughs> and for those of you who are challenged geographically, that is a little island kind of off the coast of Madagascar. Mm, where the lemurs are. I know. I don't know about you, but I think Freud would have something to say about all the people who upload pictures of their attractive mothers on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Do you know, Carla, that there are 18 different animal shapes in the Animal Cracker Zoo? No. I yep. don't remember that many. If you ever just wanted to know. Okay. Sort them. Okay. I, I don't know, but have you ever wondered, like, how does Disney decide who needs pants and who doesn't? <laughs> I have never wondered how they did that, but someone... <laughs> Obviously makes that decision. Okay. <laughs> they don't all have pants, do they? No. You know, over this weekend, I was confronted, and I'm still feeling a little bad uh, over my gender bias, because I never once, all these years, in all honesty, I never considered that Dr. Pepper might be a woman. Same. <laughs> so. but see, I knew a Dr. Pepper, though, a real doctor, Dr. Pepper, and he was a male doctor. So it might have just been my, I don't know. See, but I didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of like, oh, I just kind of assumed, you know, but mm -hmm. Dr. Pepper could be a woman. But Dr. Now, Pepper could now, be a Mr. woman. Now, Mr. Pibb, you can assume. Probably. <laughs> Probably a Dr. Mr. Pepper, not, not so much. Okay. And I'm going to I'm gonna uh, end this Sharpen Your Wit with an excerpt. Not Waldo. Not Waldo. Not Waldo. Not Waldo. Not Waldo, not Waldo, not Waldo, not Waldo, not Waldo. That is a reading from the Where's Waldo audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes it is. And now it's that time on the Daily Grind to enrich your faith. You know, in our small group Sunday, Logan mentioned how we often read the Sermon on the Mount or other parts of the New Testament. And we think that those verses or those passages are for unbelievers when they are really a lot of times meant for the church, meant for us who are followers of Christ. I could not agree more. And the danger is that when we do this, we kind of train our brains just to ignore or dismiss verses that we think are for the lost and don't apply to us when a lot of times they do. I think that one of the verses I want us to look at today is one that we often misapply because we, ah, here it comes, we take it out of context. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Think, for a lot of us, we have heard that verse applied as an evangelistic verse talking about how Jesus wants to have a relationship with lost people. And that is 
true, but it is not what this verse is saying. In this episode, we will explore the profound meaning behind these words and see if we can't understand their relevance to our lives today. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have seen those pictures of the Caucasian Jesus knocking on the door um, that really, I think, misrepresented his appearance. But that's not our focus. Instead, I want us to dig into the heart of Revelation 3.20 and discover the intended recipients Instead, we'll dig into the heart of Revelation 3.20 and discover its meaning for the intended recipients. So to really understand Revelation 3.20 and how it might apply to our times, we need to first understand its original context. In the early chapters of Revelation, John writes God's message to seven real churches existing in his era by recognizing the similarities between these ancient churches and our modern ones, I think we can uncover some relevance to these verses for us today. So that iconic image of Jesus standing at the door and knocking, it emerges amidst the addresses to these seven churches, specifically in the passage concerning the church of Laodicea. John writes, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Commonly, Revelation 3.20 is presented as Jesus standing outside an unbeliever's heart, inviting them to embrace salvation, not the people outside of the church. So to better comprehend this message, let's take a look at that church of Laodicea and its characteristics. It was positioned, Laodicea was positioned in a resource-rich region. The people of Laodicea led comfortable lives, and they really prided themselves on self-sufficiency. So much so that when an earthquake wrecked the city in around AD 60, they refused help from the Roman Empire and said that they could pay to rebuild it themselves. That attitude of self-sufficiency spilled over into the church. The church in Laodicea thought that they had it all together and figured out. And Jesus, which is another way of saying good for nothing, while hot and cold water serve a purpose, lukewarm water has no utility. Their self-sufficiency led them astray, and they failed to recognize their desperate 
need to be dependent and commune with Jesus. The image of Jesus standing outside and knocking in Revelation 3.20 holds a lot of significant cultural implications. It depicts someone seeking entry to share a meal, a gesture considered inhospitable to reject. It was a huge cultural taboo to refuse hospitality to someone who invited it. So when Jesus is throwing this picture up, the betrayal served a poignant rebuke to the Laodicean church, emphasizing that they, God's own people, had left Jesus outside, had refused hospitality. The true meaning revolves around believers becoming lukewarm and indifferent. This lukewarmness pushes Jesus away, leaving him standing outside the hearts of Christians, pleading for admission. The church in Laodicea had developed really three bad characteristics that this passage addresses. First off, they were lukewarm. Lukewarm implies they were good for nothing. Hot water is soothing. It cleans. It cooks. Cold water, refreshing. Both have a purpose. Both have value. Lukewarm water, not good for anything. There's something the people of Laodicea knew well. They had access to lukewarm water. This church had given up the pursuit of Jesus and become ineffective. They were materialistic. This church was rich in material things that created a false sense of security. Sound familiar? They thought that they were good because they could provide for themselves, but they were neglecting their true spiritual condition. They were spiritually bankrupt. Really, the root cause of all this was their spiritual condition. They had disconnected themselves from the vine, and as a result, they were withering. This church learned the hard lesson that without God, it's impossible to produce life. A lesson that many churches today and a lot of believers should really lean into. The Laodicean church had left Jesus on the outside, knocking and asking to come back in. Revelation 3.20 is a question posed to the church. Will you let Jesus back in? He's willing and desiring a relationship. He's waiting for them, but they have to open the door. Jesus isn't going to barge in. He desires a relationship, not of subservience, but of mutual desire. He knocks, but we have to open the door. And that's where the passage ends. Do they open the door? We don't know. doesn't say. That passage leaves us with uncertainty, not revealing whether the Laodicean church opens the door. But now that we've exposed the true meaning of it, I think we can look for some significant truths to our lives. One, I think permission is sacred. Jesus' choice to stand outside and knock instead of forcing his way in highlights the sacredness of permission. He desires communion with us, an intimate relationship that's based on mutual choice and love, where permission is the gateway to closeness. The creator of the universe respects and grants us permission. It's an invitation. Revelation 3.20 is an invitation extended 
by believers to Jesus, not the other way around. The invitation involves recognizing and acknowledging our self-sufficiency, which often keeps us from experiencing Jesus and his grace and his love. What is love? It's that Christ first loved us. But our response to that is just that, it's ours. The invitation offers us a chance to rekindle our relationship with Jesus. And inviting Jesus in changes everything. Inviting Jesus in goes beyond sharing a meal, but it's allowing him to transform our lives and submit to his work within us. This transformation process, I will tell you, is amazing, but it can be painful and intrusive. Uh, And I think that's what deters many people from opening the door to Jesus. However, the process is essential if we really want to grow and be used. So Revelation 3.20, its meaning resonates, I think, as much today as it did for the church of Laodicea. The belief in self-sufficiency remains a lie that I think hinders a lot of us from realizing our true need for Jesus. In Western churches, Jesus stands at the door, knocking, waiting for an invitation, respecting that sacred permission and the choice that he leads to us to let Jesus in, embrace the transformation and experience the life that he has in store for us. Or we can choose to keep him at arm's length and miss out on his incredible plans. Jesus desires a relationship with us. And through his love, through his grace, he wants to transform the broken and dead parts of our lives and our communities and our fellowships. So the question remains to us today, will we let him in? Thanks for joining me on the Daily Grind. I will see you tomorrow. Grace and peace to you.